Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. It's really a pleasure to be here with you uh, again in Burlington. And uh, with me is Cornell Findlay in the back from the Toronto Congregation. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, welcome, Cornell. <laughs> He's been so kind to uh, get me here and to, of course, share in the in services with us today here in, uh, in Burlington. You know, we are less than 10 hours away from the day of Pentecost. Uh, in fact, this evening after sunset, um, you know, the actual... Uh, the day of Pentecost begins, and uh, tomorrow we're going to be together again. Wow, th- that's nice. So this is really just a great weekend for us, and we want to make the very best use of it. We want to be able to enjoy the fellowship, the messages that uh, are lined up for us, and, of course, that each of us will be contributing to the others, uh, you know, growth and strengthening in the faith. Today I want to address you on a subject that we don't talk about very often, but which is very important and uh, is essential, a requirement of God. And I don't know if you ever noticed well, I'm sure you have. But for those who probably come in and they, they are visiting with us, they're just, uh, you know, getting to know us. Something is different in that you don't see, you know, during the services, you know, persons walking around with buckets or baskets or plates, you know, collecting offerings. And quite often, folks who visit with us uh, would ask, so where do I, you know, about, about offering? You don't, you, don't you collect offerings? Well, it is not that we don't need money. We are always in need of money. But we happen to practice what we see in the scriptures. And God has a method, a system of financing and supporting uh, his church. And that system is what we call tithing. And so the, the, the topic of the sermon, if you want to have it today, uh, a topic is, is the Christian duty of tithing. That's what we want to talk about today. We want to talk about what the Bible says about tithing, And, of course, what is your responsibility in tithing? It certainly will not be exhaustive. This is a topic that could take three presentations. Um, And I say that deliberately because there are three methods of tithing, uh, you know, that we find in Scripture. But I'm going to be dealing with the essential... uh, tithing, which is the one that is given uh, to the church. And I must say and acknowledge that there are many who innocently, it's not deliberately, it's not that they are being, want to be disobedient or anything of that sort. It is just that they are not clear about this idea of tithing. You know, interestingly, this is one of the Old Testament laws which all the churches who believe that, that believe that the law is abolished and so on, this, is, this one they don't believe is abolished. Okay? The Sabbath is abolished? Yes. The holy days are abolished? Yes, they'll say. And clean and unclean meats and so on? Oh yeah, that's abolished too. Tithing? No. 
Tithing is not abolished. Isn't it interesting? I find that a bit very interesting. There are others in the church who they do tithe, but they are inconsistent. They do it when it's convenient. They do it, you know, just when they remember. And unfortunately, most times they don't remember. So, so that too is, a, is, is, a, is, a, is an issue. And in fact, there are some who probably are of the view that, you know, I'm, I'm presently in debt. And, you know, I, I want to get out of debt, debt in order to start tithing. Um, and so, you know, there's that kind of rationale that is uh, applied. Now, the thing about tithing is that when most persons hear the word tithing, what they think about is money. That's what comes to their mind. But money is not the primary idea behind tithing. And it's important to start there and to understand. Tithing is first and foremost an act of worship. That's really what it is. So if we are saying that we are worshiping God and we love God and we want to worship Him, I would like for us to place in that context, that tithing is really one of the methods, the ways in which God has called us to worship him. And I want to explain the sense in which it is, it is building really that Walk with God. The, the, the tithing is not just about your money. It's about your relationship with God. And I want to use a pretty simple uh, example that most of us would probably be acquainted with. Have you ever seen a mother giving food to her, you know, maybe her one-year-old or six-month-old, you know, a drink of some sort, and... In giving it to the child, the mother would say, give mommy some. And quite often the child would say no. You know, the child, the child does not immediately respond to give. Because this is something that makes a child feel good. Particularly when you're hungry. Oh, I can't give this away. You know, th- this is saving my life. Might be the feeling that is going through that child. And so that child naturally would resist giving away that food to the mother. Now, why is it... Well, first of all, that is how naturally as human beings we respond to God. We, we really find it a little difficult Considering the things that we have, we have a house to buy, we want to provide food on the table, we want to send our children to school, we want to save some money, we want to, you know, I'm planning for a vacation, you know, I'm doing so many things. And so, it is not easy, because this money could do much of what I'm planning to do. This money could help me to get out of debt. This money could help me to you know, send my child to a better university or something of that sort. So that's how the human mind works towards God, in that, in that we find it difficult to respond to say, yes, I'm, ver- I'm very happy. It, it is sort of, we, we, we tithe, but we tithe maybe because, well, God says so, but there's not necessarily a joy. There's not necessarily, you know, even if God didn't ask for it, I would do it. Um, that's not necessarily the feeling. And this doesn't speak of everyone now. You know, this is just a general uh, presentation. So, you know, there are persons who differ from that. But I just want us to think about it in a broader sense. 
Now, what was that mother trying to do in asking the child, give mommy some? What was the purpose? Is it that the mother is hungry? Very hardly likely that is the reason. Is it because the mother is greedy? No. There's something else at work why that mother would have asked the child, give mommy some. And that is because the mother is in the process of developing a relationship with her child. She is also trying to inculcate in that child the habit of charity, charity, to be charitable, of love, of caring, of all the good things. In other words, it is for the benefit of the child that the mother says, give mommy some. Remember, the mother and father would be the ones who would have bought whatever is to make this meal prepare the meal, have maybe a lot more left. It's just a little bit that is being given to the child, so there's a lot more out there. And rather than going to use from the lot more, give, give, give some to mommy, give some to daddy. It is a way of making the child happy and making the mother happy. It is a way of building a relationship. This is what tithing really is. It is about God building a relationship with us and giving us an opportunity to participate in a greater work that he's doing. And like that mother, he is the one who provides everything that we have. It's very often we probably say to ourselves, no, I am the one who did this. Now, you did have, you did play a part in getting that money. But you know why you could play a part? Because God gave you life and health and a mind and all the other opportunities that he gives you to enable you to be able to do that. So that without those abilities, without those gifts, those skills, all the various things to go and earn money, you and I would not be able to do that. It is God who provides everything. You know, I remember a little bit of humor with this gentleman who is in charge of this beautiful garden, these public gardens where you go and you walk through and you see the most beautiful flowers and it's so nicely cultured and everything is done there. And there were these tourists who were walking and visiting and they look and say, wow, look at that. Oh, so beautiful. And wow, just, oh, isn't God just great? Isn't he just wonderful? Just look at all of this. And the gardener who was sitting there looked at them and said, you know, I agree with you, but you should see it when God alone had it. <laughs> In other words, if he didn't do his part, you probably would not have been admiring it as well as that. And so God gives us the ability to participate in the work that he is doing in order that we can be blessed. And this idea, if you turn to Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 13, you see that concepts that we are talking about illustrated there. It is, it is captured in that, in that verse. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. It begins with God. It is God who gives everything that we need, including our tithes. 
So God wants us to live a godly life. And part of that which he wants is for us to be able to pay our tithes. And in this sentence, that is also included. He has given us everything we need for a godly life. Unfortunately, our human nature deceives us that we are the source. And that is a problem. That is a major problem why there is a resistance to tithing. And it was this problem that God was addressing in Deuteronomy, if you turn there with me, Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 17, that when God was sending his people, Israel, into the promised land, he gave them a warning there. What was the warning? He warned them not to say to themselves that the power and the might of my hand, meaning their hand, don't say to yourself, the power and the might of my hand have gained me this wealth. There is a shift in thinking that God wants us to have. Because it is the default setting of the human nature for us to thank ourselves, praise ourselves, credit ourselves with what really is done by God. He continues in verse 18. Remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you power to get wealth. It is God who gives you power to be able to do that. Tithing is a far more, a far deeper spiritual matter than money. It is God who is working with us on a very individual and personal level in order to build a relationship with us, in order to see, in order to bless us. So tithing is not for God's good. It is for our good. Very important to resonate with that. Why? Because man cannot add anything to God. <laughs> There's nothing we can add to God. To be frank with you, the scriptures say we, we, we can't even add a, 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 a strand of hair. We can grow the hair that grows. Well, I don't have any on my head, so let me not use my <laughs> but, You know, we, we can't do these things for ourselves. God is doing it for us. Now, the principle of tithing, in a sense, can be compared with Sabbath keeping. Because think about it. God creates the week of seven days. All of them. It is he who caused the sun to rise and to set for every one of those seven days. They all belong to God. None of us can get that done. But then he turns and he says, now, six days is for you. Utilize it. It's for your work. It's for your pleasure. It's for your whatever you want to do. But the seventh day is the Lord's. So he takes one and he gives us six. All of them belong to him. He, he's the one who gives them all to us. But he says to us, look, you six for yourself and uh, the seventh belongs to me. 
So giving back to God one of his days is what we're doing. It's what we're doing on the Sabbath. It's not unrelated to the principle of tithing. God allows us to earn, to take care of our individual needs. And that is just wonderful. It gives us dignity. It gives us a sense of our person and independence and ability to do things. All of that is part of what we're talking about. So there's a relationship between the part that you keep for yourself and the part that you give to God. It's the one money. And it is a partnership where God gets a part and you and I take the part that he allows us to take. Tithing, therefore, because it is such a profoundly important spiritual matter for God, it's not optional. It's mandatory. If you turn to me, with me now to Malachi 3 and verse 8, We are seeing how God sees tithing. He sees it from the perspective, not of your money, but his money. When you tithe, you are not giving God any of your money. That's what it means. When you tithe, you are giving God his money. And he is the one that is giving you that other portion, that larger portion that you keep back. It's the other way around. So, he says in verse 8, Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. You ask, how do I rob you? Because evidently, we're not aware. The way in which God is speaking to us is, you don't seem to understand that you can rob God. Let me explain it to you, he says. Then he explains. How do you rob me? In tithes and offerings. Full stop. Very clear. No beating around the bush. Very exacting. You see, it's, 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 it's one thing to say we're worshiping God in terms of being in church and we are, we are glorifying Him with our praise and we are, we are, you know, keeping His Sabbaths and holy days and we are very faithful in, in our attendance and things of that nature. But this is very, very serious. Because look at the consequence. Look in verse 9 at the consequence. Just in case we think, well, okay, you know, look, God has the whole world for himself. You know, what is this going to do? No, that's not the idea. We've missed it. We've missed it if that's how we're thinking. We've missed it. Look at the consequence in verse 9. You are under curse. The whole nation of you. Because, of course, that is God's people. And remember how it works. Today, we are that nation. Part of that nation. That is why God speaks about a royal priesthood a holy nation, a people called out to God. That's what the church is. We are the Israel of God. God is speaking to us. We're not just reading it in the Bible some millennia ago. This is very personal. This is very individual. 
take it personally is one and one. And God wants us to think like that about this. He says the whole nation of you are on the cross because you are robbing me. He didn't say that you're robbing the church. He didn't say you're robbing, you know, the ministers. He didn't, it's not the ministers. It doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. God decides what to do with it. But we need to get that understanding. But you know what? It doesn't stop with a curse. God gives us the other side of that story when we do tithe. And so he says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. So in as much as you and I, we have homes and we want to ensure that there's food in our houses. God is saying, look, this now, the church is my house. Bring the food into my house. And then he gets the sense that, that, you know, we still are going to be a little bit re- reluctant. He gets the sense that we still may be, may, may be wondering, well, Lord, could you hold on a little bit, please? I will come to that, but you know, I have some things that I need to address and attend to, and he knows that will come to our minds. Here is the word that he uses. Test me in this. Because you believe that because when you give to God, you are denying yourself that you are you're, you're not going to be better off And he is now getting into a very challenging point. Test me in this. You may not believe me. You may have some reservations. You may feel the reluctance. You may think that there are more priorities at the moment. But you know what? It comes down to a test. It comes down to a point of faith. Tithing is a demonstration of your faith in God. That's what it is. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. Think of the alternative. Think of the alternative. We don't preach what is called health and wealth. In the sense that it's commonly taught on your television screen. But you know what? Christianity is an investment. Christianity is an investment in as much as there are people who take up money and they want to go into business. And they deny themselves certain things in order to get the capital. In order to get that business going. And they know, you know, it's possible that I could lose my money. But they go ahead anyhow with a certain amount of hope and faith. Christianity is an investment. That is why the the Bible speaks about rewards. Christ will come with the rewards. He says he will give us a hundredfold. Those terminologies 
are returns on investment. And we should contemplate that. I will throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. And that is what he says, you must test them. You know, if there's anyone you really want to test, it is God. Because you know what? When he makes a promise, that promise is sure. It's unlike the promise that we get from man. This is God who is making the promise. And he is putting, he's putting himself on the spot. <laughs> you know, someone can say, listen to me. If you do this, I am going to do that. And you would wonder, is this a fly-by-night scam? You know, when people, because people make all kinds of offer out there. And many people even go for the scam. They go for it. That is why you have a gentleman in the United States called Madoff. Because he made off with a lot of people's money. He went in that direction. Verse 11. It's not just the money. Look at this. You're getting, you're getting more returns. It's not just that God is going to make you have more money. Look at verse 11. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops. And the wines in your fields will not cast their fruit. Meaning they will fall off and, and, you know, get blighted or whatever. I think that's what it's talking about. Says the Lord Almighty. So there is a lot that there is. You know, I, I think we, 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 I don't want to go through, rush through this. I don't want to rush through this. You know, I, I know we always, you know, what time am I at? It's, it's, uh, you, you finish at 2.30, right? It's now, it's now uh, 2 minutes to 2. Okay. I, you know, I, I, you know the, the word, the word I, I'd love for us to bite the word and chew upon it. And enjoy the savor of the word. Digest it. And let it begin to produce the fruit in us. To really dwell on this. To understand. As God says, as far as the east is from the west, so are your ways from my ways. Because this here is really something which we, we it, it takes a little time to really say, hmm, okay. Now, let me, just, let me just do something here. Let me say something. If the reason we are now going to go and tithe is because, oh, well, okay, I want to get more money. I want to get more. So I'm, I'm just, if that, is a, if that is a motivation, it doesn't work. You know what works? Love for God. And the love for his word. And the love for his work. The church. And you want to do it to the point where you say, you know what? I know that my God can do exactly what he says. But listen, if even he chooses not to do it, I'm going to go ahead and do what he asked me to do anyhow. That's where we have to find ourselves. We have to do it with the heart. Where, look, it's not because, because some people say, oh, you know what? I've been looking for an investment. I didn't know I could make money this way. So what is driving them is the money. Well, if that is what, then forget it. Not going to work that way. It has to be so genuine. They say, you know what? I know God can do it. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The earth and they that dwell therein. Everything belongs to him. A thousand cattle upon a hill is mine. Everything belongs to God. But it is not about the money. It's about the relationship. It's like the mother who said, give mommy some. She didn't do it because she didn't have enough for herself. 
She did it because it was for the good of the child. And God is doing this for your good and for my good. And he wants us to have the proper understanding of it. Now, to whom should you pay your tithe? You know, that question has come up. Because there are some folks who tithe in a manner that they say, you know what, I am going to give some to that organization over there. And I see these folks over here, they're trying to work on a children's program. I'm going to give some of it to them. And, um, okay, I'll give the rest to the church. You know, it's not a bad idea. Because you may say in your heart, well, you know, it's still God. He says, at least you do unto these, you do it unto me. So, what's wrong with that? Well, let me tell you what's wrong with it. First of all, it's not your money. You can decide how to distribute it. That is what is wrong with it. You cannot now decide, oh, I, I, let me see what else is out there that I can help. That's not what he has in mind. You can, though, give to those charities and give to others, but you have to give it from your money, not from the money that doesn't belong to you. You give it. So, how then should we think about it? I want to share a thought with you that may help us to put it in perspective. Because sometimes, you know, it's a little difficult to, to answer these questions. And I'm not going to rush through this. I just want us to get each point correctly. And then if we have to do with other points, we can do this in another presentation. But the points that we make, we want them to be clear. All authority belongs to God, not just the church. There's no authority established. The Bible says it. That is not established. Meaning God allows it. If God doesn't allow it, it can't happen. So, think of that. You are living in, you are in Canada, you are Canadians and you live in Canada. The government of Canada, that authority, it is God's authority. He sets up kings, and he takes them down. And the government in the United States, the same thing. The government in Jamaica, the same thing. The government in Europe, the country, the same thing. But although all these governments belong to God, and they are God's government, when you are paying your taxes, you cannot from Canada take the taxes here and say, you know what, I see that the government of Jamaica is much more in need. They are poor. And I'm going to send my taxes there. You can't do that. It's trouble. Because that tax belongs to the government of Canada. You can, however, draw a check and send from your own money, but you can't use the taxes of the government of Canada. I'm trying to use that as a rough kind of an illustration to say that because you have decided to make the particular congregation or section of the church your home church, because you have done that, because it's where you are fed, because it's where you fellowship, you worship, that's, that's, that's really where you make yourself belong. 
that principle that we, we used pertaining to now taking it and sending it all over speaks to that. So you can't say, oh, it's God's church, the other one, it's God's church, it's God's church. You, because you see, God, God is a God of principle. God is a God who is not of confusion and disorganization. God is a God of submission. So he wants us to submit to the authorities that are set up over us. So which is the authority? Where, where are you pastored? You work with that authority. So I just want us to use that in, in, in weighing and, and seeing and understanding what we're, what we're talking about. So that in the New Testament you'd see Paul having an issue with the church in Corinth. And you would see him saying, you know, he's not taking any uh, money from them because he doesn't want them to believe, uh, you know, that they are the ones feeding him. He's doing that. So he's, he says he's using the funds, right? The, 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 he's being supported as a minister by another of the congregation that he had, he had responsibility for. He is using those funds. And he's saying, you know, in that way, um, I'm not taking your money. What, what he's really saying is, the money that was there, it belonged to that particular. And the money for, I think it was Thessalonica, it belonged to them. He's not, he's not making the idea that, you know, whatever you have here, it, 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 is, it is the same as over here, they all had. So when, when the church, when the, the uh, church in Galatia was was having a famine, he would have written to the church in Jerusalem and in some other places in Ephesus, I think, and say to them, you know, lay up by you some some things, right? Because I will be going over there, and I will, I the, the apostle, the person who is who is responsible for administering the the tithe. Um, of the brethren. He is the one who is taking the decision. So, the CGI could very well say, you know what? We see the UCG doing a great job over there. And the eldership here decides that they're going to send some funds over there. That is possible. But it is not for us as members to decide on that. Because we have to work within a structure, within an authority. That's the point we're making. So, in everything there is order, and God wants us to, to understand that sort of order. You have made Galatia your spiritual home, or you have made Corinth your spiritual home, or so on. Tithe to Corinth. Tithe to Galatia. Tithe to wherever. And if there's any funds to be transferred anywhere, the ministry will take care of that. That is sort of the concept. You know the tithes are used for the work of the church, the spreading of the gospel and the various things that uh, we are set out to do. And primarily... The scriptures speak about ministers being paid in the, in the CGI. In the CGI, we basically do not pay ministers. Basically do not pay ministers. And it's not because they're not deserving. And it's not because we, well, you know, the funds are not there to do that. In the UCG, they pay ministers. So, what they, in the CGI, most of your tithes are used for various uh, things such as the visits that the ministers make. The ministers, uh, they go to, from one end of North America to the other. So from Canada, a lot of visits are made to the United States. The same thing from the United States into Canada. And of course, within Canada, within the United States. And there is a big part 
that is used to get the ministers around for them to get to the places where they have to uh, preach and teach and doing things of that that sort. The tithes are used to pay for the place you, in which you meet. This place where you meet every Sabbath, we have to pay rent. And it is your tithe that takes care of those kinds of things. I happen to be brought here from, uh, by the ministry from Jamaica, and you know, I, I'm really a temporary, I'm here in Canada, the temporary uh, basis. And um, because of that, in order to help me to be here to do the work, the ministry takes care of the vast majority of my expenses for being here. Your tithe is also doing that. Your tithe helps to the church to address particular problems, peculiar problems of the brethren when there are issues. There are a number of brethren who they can't make it to the feast and, uh, you know, or something else happens. And whilst, you know, that has to be looked at on a one-on-one individual basis, but in a number of ways, the church lend a hand by addressing those. And those are just a few of the things. I didn't come here with a list. I, you know, I'm just spontaneously um, speaking about these things. So I want us to understand how much you are doing. You're doing a lot. You are doing a mighty lot when you pay your tithes. You are keeping the work of God going and moving. Questions? Should one tithe while in debt? There's some who feel, you know, God doesn't want us to be in debt because, you know, being in debt can create a lot of issues. You know, it can affect me as a Christian. Uh, You know, my reputation. I may bring the name of Jesus Christ into disrepute by being in debt in significant ways and so on. So should one tithe when one is in debt. Well, the simple answer is by not tithing, you're putting yourself in debt. First of all, you're putting yourself in debt with God because it's His money. So you don't like debt? Don't get into debt, especially with God. Because He's the one who says, if you pay your tithe to me, I will help you. Now, if you don't, you're doubling up your debt. You're not going to only owing God. You're not even getting the promises of God that he has made to you when you pay your tithe. So you may say, okay, I am going to pay my tithe, but, um, you know, I have this matter here that I have to attend to, so I'm going to borrow So you're not really taking it away from God. You're just borrowing it. Well, again, it can't be your decision to borrow the other person's money. And in any case, God is a giver, not a lender. He's not lending you money. He gives you. So he has given the instruction, pay your tithe, and I will give. God's not in the business of lending. So here's how the scriptures put it. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. All the other problems that you have. The way to address them is first of all, to address God's, do what God says. If we do it, then 
that is what he commands us to do. Make God your partner. Make him your partner in your life in every way, including in your tithing. God is your partner. And when you live up to that partnership, he will do all of what you would like him to do. Was tithing abolished under the new covenant? Is it abolished? Uh, Somebody has that problem. Somebody has that question. Somebody be thinking about it and saying, you know what? That's an Old Testament thing. It's not for the New Testament. But here's a simple answer because I don't want to spend too much more time. But here's a simple answer. Tithing did not begin with the Old Covenant. And therefore, what the Old Covenant did not bring into existence, it cannot take out of existence. So, you can't say because the Old Covenant is gone, the tithing is gone. Prior to the Old Covenant, Abraham, the father of the faith, tithed and he tied to a priesthood. A priesthood. The tithes under the old covenant was done to a priesthood. It was called the Levitical priesthood. But there was a priesthood that preceded and anteceded, antecedes it. There was the Melchizedek priesthood. So Abraham tithed to the priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood. That's what we do today. You and I are under a priesthood. It's not the Levitical priesthood. So I grant you that the Levitical priesthood is no longer there. The law of the priesthood has been changed in the book of Hebrews. You see that. But the priesthood that, return, that, that remains is the eternal priesthood, the Melchizedek priesthood. That is why Melchizedek is described as someone without genealogy. It is done in order to bring out the fact that unlike the Levitical priesthood, in which the priests were determined based on their genealogy to Levi, that's not how the priesthood of Christ comes. So it, it, it takes Melchizedek, so Melchizedek becomes this sort of, um, you know, person, mystery person in, in, uh, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the book of Genesis. But then you're seeing now, ah, so there was a, there's something about the Melchizedek priesthood, the eternal priesthood of Jesus Christ. That is why, ah, no, no genealogy. Now, The eternal priesthood of Jesus Christ is the priesthood under which you and I tithe. So much so that the scriptures speak about the Levitical priesthood, that the, the Levites tithed to Melchizedek through Abraham. Why? Because they were in Abraham's loins. So the Bible shows you the superiority of the Melchizedek priesthood in that the Levitical priesthood tithed to Melchizedek. So those are things that we can do some Bible studies around. But I'm only making general reference to them uh, since this sermon is you know, covering um, you know it's covering quite a wider. How do you calculate your tithes? It's probably not a question you may ask. How do I calculate my tithes? Well, it was 
at one point in the on the worldwide church of God, um, where tithes were paid on the gross, because the Bible seems to it says your increase, you tithe on your increase, and therefore your increase um, would be that which you have earned for your you know, personally earned. So, in in the case of like a business, um, increase would mean that after you take out the cost of, like a farmer, he takes out the cost of fertilizer, the cost of maybe paying for um, servants, uh, the cost of inputs, and so on. And after it is grown, the rest becomes the increase. Back in, I think, 86, thereabout, the... Um, church and also on the worldwide church and then into the time after the worldwide church uh, disintegrated the discussion of tithing came about and it was perceived by the elders that the whether the taxes which are taken out of our money before we get our actual pain or hand whether those taxes are to be regarded as part of the cost of your income. So it would, it would be taken out. And it was deliberated uh, extensively. And so the church ended up with two, a kind of a dual position. One is, it seems fair that because there wasn't a taxation system at the time when um, you know, maybe when Abraham paid his tithe, because it seems that everything he had, he paid 10% of it. So, it seems that he, you know, there, there's no indication that anything was taken out of it. Uh, so that was all that he got. So everything he got in his hand, he paid tithe on it. And therefore, that it would not be inconsistent for one to pay tithes on their net income, which is um, after taxation. The church, however, leaves open. It's not, it is not um, uh, I'm not thinking now. But, you know, they, 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 they're not insisting upon it. That if your conscience says to you if, you, if you think, no, I want to tithe on the whole. I want to tithe on the gross before taxes were taken out. Even though the taxes are taken out. But I'm looking for that. And I'm going to tithe on that. The church suggests that you follow your conscience on that matter. And do it. If you were to ask me, we can't overgive to God. So, if you give on the gross, which I think a number of us do, um, wow, then I think you, you find a little more comfort. Maybe you do. Um, but I just throw that out so you can understand that whilst it is not prohibited for tithing on the net, there's also the opportunity of tithing on your gross. And that is sort of the, the span of things there. But you know what? God judges us by that motive. Even if we are tithing on the gross, but we are doing it in a sort of, um, you know, we are, we are not doing it... Uh, with all the will in the we're doing it grudgingly if we're doing it grudgingly you know it still doesn't work it still doesn't work I'm going to ask you to pray about this matter I'm going to ask you to think about it if you happen not to have been tithing regularly to get back into that mode it's part of what you do to worship God in spirit and in truth and I believe that God will pour out 
on us his blessings as he has promised. Because one of the great missions of the Church of God International in Canada is for the church to grow, grow in significant ways so that the gospel can reach the many who maybe God is calling. We don't know them, we don't know who, we don't know how many, but we must do our work. And our work is done through your tithes. May God bless you and thank you so much. It's good to be here again. Always good to be here and to be able to share with you from the word. Keep the faith. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org. Thank you.